Welcome in. It is the Holy Grail BCJ podcast right here on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Dave Simone. we got a special guest we'll get to here in just a second. But of course, got to remind everyone, Saturday, 1.30, Holy Grail Banks. I will be there. The legend Tony Pike will be there. It is another Bearcat Journal watch party and pregame show. And uh, it is going to be good stuff. If last time was any indication, get there a little early. We, we don't, last time was a little, a little difficult. We had a Reds Dodgers game and we had Oktoberfest uh, one block away. And uh, the Holy Grail was, was hopping until the Reds game got going. But uh, get there a little early. Tony and I will hop on the mics about 145, 2 o'clock, somewhere in there to get you ready for the Bearcats and the Irish. And we will then gather around and watch the Bearcats in one of the biggest games in program history, if not the biggest. Dave and I will talk about that. Maybe we'll, we'll ask our special guest if, what he thinks as well. But let's get to it. We are joined today by someone I now consider a friend. We, we met last uh, two weeks ago uh, on the campus of the University of Cincinnati. Was that last week? Yeah, last week. What, uh, le- two leading weeks into, ago. Two weeks ago. Le- leading into the Tuesday you know, before Indiana. Indiana. Yeah. Leading into the, I don't know what day it is right now, Pete. Yeah. <laughs> um, leading into the Indiana game, uh, there was a little buzz around the program, and we got to practice, Justin Williams and I, from The Athletic, and uh, we ran into none other than Pete Thamel from Yahoo Sports, who was getting ready to, uh, or in the middle of, a, a deep dive into the Cincinnati program following Luke Fickle and, uh, and everyone around for a week. The article came out today or late last night. It was absolutely fantastic. It was as deep a look into the Cincinnati program as you will ever find. And uh, we decided to reach out and see if he would join us tonight. And here he is, none other than Pete Thamel from Yahoo Sports. Pete, how was that for an introduction? Yeah, it was uh, it was amazing. I'll have to pay my mom. She clearly wrote a nice, uh, a nice script for you, Chad. Well, I appreciate you and Dave having me. Um, you know, it was a lot of fun writing, uh, writing that story. You were kind enough to squeeze it out a couple times to, uh, to your followers. So I imagine you're very Cincinnati, uh, centric and big bear cap. Yes. Camp, so hopefully people took the time and it is a time investment. I'm not going to be, uh, aware of that to really, uh, sit down and dig in and, and read about the, uh, program, but a, uh, I've probably done Chad, maybe seven or eight of these in my career, uh, different scenarios. Sometimes it's just a game. Sometimes it's a spring practice. I did one with Brad Stevens at Butler when they were still yeah. in Horizon Conference. So, like, I've done them different different realms, different – and they're always – you know, when I look back at my career, the most satisfying stories. First of all, you really get to know the people, right? And so yeah. that's – and, and, and I, I've known Luke Fickle uh, for a long time. I've been very lucky, too. But I got to know the GAs and the QCs and the woman who comes and picks up the trash in the offensive <laughs> staff. Oh, yeah. I didn't, I didn't write this, but they have a system to deliver her the trash that worked a lot better than their offense did in the first half against Indiana. <laughs> I mean, you got Armand Bins, who's one of the great players in school history. You got Mike Denbrock, who's a highly paid coordinator. You got Desmond, you got everybody like they, she walks in and that is, it's like a NASCAR pit crew. So you get to see little <laughs> behind the scene moments like that, that just show like, you know, who the people are uh, in, in the program. So it was, uh, I was very lucky, very fortunate. Um, you know, I, I, am thankful that Luke Fickle, uh, you know, trusted me to give me a peek behind the curtain. And it was, uh, it was, it was just a, it was just a lot of fun to, to get to know, uh, to get to know everybody. I knew some of the assistants didn't know some of them at all. Everybody was really welcoming. Um, 
yeah, and my ears are still ringing from the weight room from having to go through a weightlifting session with Brady Collins. Yeah, yes. So I, I we told we, him, uh, <laughs> we go to Squad Fest every year. So trust okay. me, we know. All right, all right, very uh, very good. I told him I hope I got him a sunglasses nil deal from uh, from talking about his designer flair. So. <laughs> I, I have to ask. This is always something that's that's fascinating to me when somebody takes a, a, a deep dive into the program like this. Did you know already or how shocked were you when you started going through Rick Minner's coaching tree? Because he might have the greatest coaching tree in the history of college sports. Yes. So I knew some of those guys were there. Now, I was very well aware of the head coaching tree. And if you're a college football writer, you know, and I obviously don't have any you know, particular bend to Cincinnati. Other than I've been there over the years. I was there when Brian was there. I, you know, I, I've been through there over the years. So I, did I have a sense that some guys were there short? Did I know that Sam Pittman and Rex Ryan, um, just to, just imagine the poor, uh, you know, the, the, the poor poor waitresses and bartenders serving those guys back in there, back in their prime in the mid-90s, right? Did I have any idea they were on the same staff? No. Um, did not know Mike Tomlin was there. And, you know, I thought it was a really interesting nugget. I said this to somebody at Notre Dame today. I had no idea he was about to go to Notre Dame. You know, that's kind of a cool little piece of Notre Dame mm-hmm. lore before uh, John Whittakin, obviously, longtime's operations director. So, no, John was the one who really, like, put that in perspective for me. And it really, I thought, accentuated that notion of Cincinnati, which has long been this unbelievable stepping stone now in this transition. That's why it was such a fun time to be there, because not only are they winning, not only are they good, but you can really see and feel this trajectory towards really thriving at that next level. And, and that, I think that's pretty cool and, and, and pretty exciting, Chad. Dave? When you go in for something like this, you probably map out some aspect of the people you want to talk to, Desmond Ritter, Luke Fickle, but how much do you kind of just let the whole thing play out and – where take, let it take you where it goes and then come to the end and find out I talked to this guy a lot of this was information that I got that I wasn't even really seeking but was interesting it's a it's a great question Dave and I I kind of I didn't have like a plan going in um and and Luke God bless him like didn't really wasn't really like hey what are you doing he just was sort of like yeah come and I mean I, and I showed up I didn't I didn't want to overcomplicate it but what I kind of told him in his office on Sunday when I showed up was like I was like, I'm going to play the hits here. You know, like, I'm not going to like, certainly if some walk on had a great story, I would find him or, you know, like, here's the thing, the game could have dictated me go some way totally different, right? Like, what if the punter becomes the MVP or, you know, whatever it is. So you have to be flexible and and, and ready to go. But I knew I was going to play the hits. I, I had done a story in the spring on Ritter and Claire and little Layton. So I, I, I probably, if I had not done that in the spring already, I probably would have dove into that a little bit harder um, just because I think it's it's a great story. I saw game day was there. I mean, it's just a, like Desmond Ritter's a great kid. I mean, what a transformative yeah. player in this program's history. I just saw the way he interacted with you and Justin and the rest of the media that day there. That kind of tells me a lot of, he really reminds me of Dak Prescott. I, I was lucky to get to know Dak really well at Mississippi State when he was there. Dak's junior year, I did this is exact all access. I showed up on a Sunday, stayed through the week, and they beat Texas A&M back in the Sumlin era. That got them to the cusp of number one, and they beat Auburn the next week and then went to number one. And then I went and spent some time with Dak that spring 
this is, I was working at Sports Illustrated. We did a cover. We put Dak on the cover of our college football preview that year. So I went to his hometown and everything. So I'm, I, I'm saying all this, to, like, it really, Ritter's, the, the football junkie in him, the mastery of the offense, like, I wish I could do justice how quickly he and Gino Gadulli can have a conversation about the offense. Now, when you don't know what the offensive terminology is, you know, trips hot, Iowa, right? But like the way they talk, it's like, you know, you're in a foreign country and someone is like, you know, trying to explain to you how to get on the bus and you don't know how to get on the bus. It's like, but Ritter has a maturity about him. He has a self-awareness about him and he's really developed as a player. I still think there's some development to go. And I still think from calling around to some NFL people that there's a little bit more, you know, there, there's, there's a little bit more they want to see. They bring up accuracy quite a bit um, coming come with him, but you know, he's, I just saw today PFF, he's the highest ranked guy under pressure um, in, in the country. So it's a long way to, uh, to, to say David that like, I was going to write about Desmond Ritter. I mean, he's the face of the program unquestioned he's the winningest quarterback in in college football currently right now and I did want I knew I was going to write something about the defensive scheme and part of this was because I had been through in the spring and I had spent some time in I went I was at Indy for the NCAA tournament so I went to Cincy and then I went to Notre Dame and I was there for like two weeks because the tournament didn't move and so I kind of just sprayed around and did some football stuff when I was there and there was I did a Marcus Freeman column from there so I, there was like some overlap and I started talking scheme a little bit and you guys have been around long enough to know like it can get dangerous when you talk about football scheme because like yeah. we as mortals and I'm gonna I'm gonna group you with me as a schematic mortal like you oh, have to completely know, you have to know what you don't know and that's always people say, what, what are your takeaways from these? And I've done a bunch of them. <laughs> My takeaway is I don't know a lot about football. <laughs> like you, 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 <laughs> you become very like judicious and, and, and coaches you criticize because boy, these guys, they, they are speaking it at a, uh, at a 500 level, you know, they're doing, they're doing will hunting equations and I'm doing fractions. So um, when I was there in the spring, a couple of guys on the staff had told me a little bit about that, development curve of the offense of the defense excuse me now the offense has evolved too I, I certainly want to give them credit but the uh the defense has really had really developed and um I don't know if Luke Fickle has got enough credit for really being a schematic innovator right like you think of Luke you think he's a great program guy he's done a great job recruiting he's done a great job developing he's an excellent game coach but maybe I, I think it's a lot easier to like Mike Norvell is an offensive genius. So like these guys, as they come up, it's easier to tag them. It's a little harder to do that defensively. And so I wanted to, in the back of my mind, and Colin Hitchler was very nice to sort of explain football to English to me. Um, he's a really bright guy, pen guy. Don't ask Brian Mason. He'll talk right over your head. <laughs> Mace was good too. Mace is good too. I love Mace. If they had, if they had faked the punt, I was ready, man. Oof, I was ready. <laughs> The way it started that at the end of game, I thought they might have to think about they it. might. They were, they were punting a lot. So the chances of that uh, of that <laughs> happening. No, it's so it, Mace was there. Perry Eliano, the corners coach, great guy. Mike Tressel really, I thought, had a maturity to him to handle the room in terms of he's running a defense that he may not be speaking as his native tongue, 
because he's learning it at the same time. So one of the takeaways from that room was how open Trestle was to the ideas of others. So he's getting ideas from Luke from above. Luke's sort of drawing out some general thoughts. He has to shape them, but he was the most, he was very inclusive. Um, there was a wall of, uh, you know, of, of GAs and QCs. Like Mike Trestle was listening to all ideas. And, uh, and, I, and I really thought um, it was Parrish, Nick Sharp, and Cam were there. And then it was obviously Greg Scruggs. Um, and it was, it was not a room where there was an authoritarian vibe. It was very democratic right. vibe. And I, and I give Mike Tress a lot of credit for being comfortable enough in his own skin and veteran enough to be able to take direction from Luke, to be able to – because some of those guys on that defensive staff, and I didn't quiz them, but they must know this defense better than Mike. They've been in it for four years. Yeah. He's been in it for, for that. So I just think, like, that showed to me he was very much an egoless professional. Um, and just uh, maybe he's, he's a gem of a guy anyway, but I, I just really thought seeing him work in that environment, because that can be a tight space for a guy if he has a big ego or he wants to bring in a lot of his own stuff. And I really thought he was like the perfect maestro for everything, uh, for, for everything around him. So that was a really long answer to your question, Dave. But that was just <laughs> a little bit of like, I had those three things that I, in the back of my mind that I wanted to, I was obviously going to write about Luke. I was obviously going to write about Dez. And I was obviously going to write about the defensive evolution. And I knew I was going to write about Brady. When I got there on Sunday, I know what a, a big part of that program Brady is. And it's a development program. And I've been in the weight room before, uh, just going down there to visit. I've known Brady was at Mississippi State when I did that yeah. with that. So I've known him since then. He's obviously been up at Ohio State with Mickey. So we, 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 I've been lucky enough to overlap with Brady. He's a, he's, a, he's a character for a strength coach. A lot of strength coaches don't have a ton of personality. But Brady's a character. And um, you know, it's funny too. Uh, my last point about that is to see, I compare it in the story, Brady and Luke are kind of like paired and then locked oh, yeah. like, like Mick, Mick, Mickey Marotti and Urban Meyer. And then you spend a week around them. And I see every day, Nate Meyer, um, who I yep. first met when he was three years old running around Utah practice, um, in 2004. And then, uh, Mitch Marotti, who's John Whittakin's top assistant. And I've known Mitch forever just from, uh, you know, being around Ohio State all those uh, all those years, and so it's it's funny how small the world is. I wrote a story in '06 or '08 about Urban Meyer as a young assistant coach at Notre Dame going to Cincinnati to recruit Mickey Marotti to be the strength coach in South Bend. Um, he, I mean, Urban's sister still works there. Uh, yeah, I think I think she just her. retired, didn't she? Okay. She, she might have just retired this year. Um, Yes. And, but his family, uh, has, has, has deep roots there. And yeah. so anyway, it's just kind of funny. Like you hang around long enough and like all of a sudden you, you, you cover the dads and then you're covering their sons. And every time I see Nate Meyer, I tell him the same story. I feel like the annoying guy, but I was like, man, you know, when I met you, <laughs> you were, you know, <laughs> he's going to go into coaching himself. And I have no doubt I will be, yeah, probably 10 years from now, I'll be asking Nate Meyer if I can do an all access where he's coaching. So. Two, two things. One, yeah. did you, Brady Collins on Monday nights, every other Monday, he's the co-host of a podcast on this, this network. Oh, yes. Journal. Yeah, How every other that? Monday night. How about and that? That would like, be a good podcast. He's got juice. Oh, Strength coaches aren't mo generally the most interesting subset. He's know? different. Oh, yeah. Brady's different. He's great. He's great. There's, no going into the strength coach listeners. but yeah. he, he was going into the bye week. He was like we've kind of given him a break during the season because obviously he's got, so going into the bye week he's like, I'm coming on tonight. Right. 
so that we have him on and we get to almost like an hour and I'm like, Brady, like, appreciate your time. You know, like he's like, oh, no, I'm not going anywhere. Like, we're still having fun. Let's do this. And he stayed for like an hour and a half. And that's just that's just Brady Two on the schematic stuff. You'll love this. It's Brian Kelly's story. So before I started doing football and basketball, I had a partner named Tim Adams and Tim did football. And um, this is during the Brian Kelly era. And one of the other sites, one of the other Internet sites that covered UC did uh, grades by position, like Mm -hmm. grading the position coaches and acting like they knew what was going on. Coaches hate grades, by the way. Grades are the surest way to piss off a coach. So Tim gets called into Brian Kelly's office. And Brian Kelly reads him the riot act. And Tim's like, Brian, that wasn't that wasn't my website. Like I, that was somebody else. I didn't I didn't have anything to do with it. And at the time, this is like, you know, 2008, 2007, 2008, the internet really what like internet sports coverage really wasn't a thing sure. yet. Yeah. Brian's like, there was, only, there was only two websites and he picked the wrong one. Yeah. Brian's like, look, it was on the internet and you're the internet guy. You need to fix it. <laughs> um, about Luke, you, you do this a lot. You deal with coaches far and wide. I've been doing this. I, I don't think you know. I might have told you. I started a Marshall in 1995 with Jim Donnan. So I, I've been doing this a long time. I've been around a lot of coaches. To me, Luke is almost in a landslide, the most normal guy I've ever met that's a head football coach. And I don't know if it's the amount of time he spent as an assistant that just kind of that became he became comfortable with that because he didn't have that climbing gene or if it's just who Luke is. But do you get that same vibe from him that he's, he's just a guy that just, he's insanely competitive. Like he's a football guy to every sense of the word. But the minute you start having a conversation with him, he's just Luke fickle, the, the dad, the guy, like he's just a, a regular human. Yeah, I, I agree. Luke's Luke's very normal. Um, I first. Really Most bet- aren't. Yes, that is correct. I can confirm. <laughs> Sources confirm. Um, I first met Luke when his interim year at Ohio State. So that would have been 10, uh, 10 11 years ago. Yeah. Um, b- back then. And the one thing that's always struck me about Luke, he's never been a climber, by the way, like ever. No. You know, I mean, I've been around a lot of buildings, a lot of assistant coaches trying to like, hey, what are you hearing? Like Luke, never, like just unconcerned um, about anything than what's, what's in front of him. Uh, and I've, I've always appreciated that about him. And he may be the coach who is most comfortable in his own skin yep. that I have ever met. Um, there is just a serenity to him. And again, I can't promise he's never like getting mad at his local writers or anything like that. But like, they, like there used to be a coach, uh, I'll, I'll spare the name, but the, his staff nicknamed him the king of manufactured emergencies. <laughs> like something would come up and they would be like a manufacturer. Emerg- oh, my God, we're going to do it. Like there is no manufactured emergencies with Luke. Like if something's wrong, they'll go fix it. But um, yeah, I just, I would appreciate, I've, I've said this about coaches. I get along with a lot of them. I wouldn't want to work for most of them. Now I'm certainly not volunteering. I work for Luke, but Luke just seems generally sane. Like, like right. you go in every day, the expectations are clear and the vision on how to get there is clear. Um, and he's really good at everything, right? He's an excellent recruiter. He understands development. You know, 
again, I always thought he was a really good X's and O's guy, really learning and understanding that evolution of the defense, you know, in the article really made me appreciate him. And I think there was a little bit of some people on his staff just kind of saying, hey, you know, don't discount Luke for to be a schematics guy. He essentially helped invent the defense 2014 that Ohio State was in, you know, press quarters. It was he and Chris Ash. That became like the defense of college football. He brings it to Cincinnati. It doesn't work. Rips it up. Builds a top 25 defense. Realizes that's good, not good enough. Rips it up. Does it again. And that's that's Luke. Okay, we need to figure out how to beat UCF. We're going to go beat UCF. Navy rushed for a school record in yards against us. We are going to dedicate all our time, energy, and focus into stopping Navy. Navy hasn't beaten them since, right? No. No. Yeah. They, they've struck that one game. I don't think Navy scored since. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, it's it's pretty it's pretty remarkable. And look, like you you can spend a lot of time thinking about coaches, analyzing coaches, like a lot of the best coaches you can crystallize into like leadership. And what I saw in that week from Luke and what I know of Luke is that he can bring a group together, create a vision and channel everybody towards that vision. Now are his speeches going to like go in like war movies? And now he's very good in front of the team, but like, he's not an orator. Like he's not going to be a U.S. Senator, for example. Right. (laughs) He is just a good leader who like, he's never, I I know a lot of coaches that go, How, how'd that look? How do you think the guy, like, there was just none of that. There was no insecurity. He knows what it's supposed to look like. He knows what it's supposed to sound like. He Now he does take feedback. He's not arrogant about it. So I just think he's a really nice, for me, as somebody who's covered coaches a long time, a refreshing presence in that scene to just uh, to just sit and, uh, and, and watch him, watch him very comfortably move through all the phases of everything. One more day before we let him go. We've already kept him too long. Yeah, I just wanted to ask, on the sidelines of the Indiana game, down 14, what was the vibe kind of like? What did you ex- witness down there? And then um, the Micah McFadden ejection obviously changed the game tremendously, but just sure. kind of like how was the team responding to being down first real road game in like 18 months. And then what, what did you see from that point on just from your own eyes down there? Sure. Well, you didn't ask, but I was a mess because I had six days invested. It was, I was like a gambler (laughs) who'd put his 401k, not really, but like I I wasn't a mess. I was still pretty confident just because everything they were doing was like self-destruction. It wasn't like Indiana played well, but it wasn't like Indiana was just, annihilating them they just kept moving backwards because of penalties so um and, and luke said it at halftime and his halftime he said it after the game he was like we didn't flinch we didn't flinch and he appreciated that his team could be unemotional at a very emotional juncture so that is one takeaway i would have from the sideline his guys weren't chirping it, it was just it was you know denbrock came up to me with two minutes left when the game was basically over when we went to get a cup of water and he just said hey pete these guys just keep playing that they just keep playing. And that was like a very understated way to, to sum up like the vibe on the sideline. And, and I'll leave you guys with this. The other vibe on the sideline was that the tap water tasted really right. bad. So everybody was complaining about the, the, the Indiana tap water. I think is Huber from Indiana. Yes. yes. Wilson yes. Huber. Yeah. Yes. So, it, and there might be another Huber too, but anyway, so, someone, kept, someone walked up to him on the sideline. It's like Huber, your tap water tastes like, 
fill in the blank. <laughs> like you can curse on this pod. It's okay. Yeah. No, no, I'm not going <laughs> to. So we have, yeah, we have they, a thing. We have a thing. Well, you, it was just good that you were able to get water because if you were at the game like me, they ran out of water. It was, it was a, hot. It was a disaster. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I didn't. I was whenever I do that stuff, I always don't want to like take the food, take the water. The trainer walked up to me and I had a black shirt on because I'm a moron. Um, <laughs> the trainer walked so, up to so me at one point. And, and I don't know the trainer. The trainer doesn't know me. He was like, he's like, dude, make sure you drink some water. And I was like, okay. If the trainer said so, I'll have some. And it didn't taste great, but I wasn't complaining. It was cold. All right, that's enough. I think we'll we'll let you go on that. It is it is much appreciated. Thank you so much for coming on. They can find you on Twitter at Pete Thamel. And then the podcast, plug the pod real quick before we let you go. Great podcast. Our pod is the College Sports Inquirer, uh, Yahoo Sports College Podcast. You can uh, it's myself, the very funny Dan Wetzel. I'm not funny. Dan Wetzel's funny, and the ultimate awesome guy pat 40 who i'm sure people know because he's in your he's in your footprint down there in uh in louisville and then sully sean sullivan is our producer and we certainly talk a lot of college football and the big picture nationally and the issues we also have a lot of fun we talked about uh the guy chugging a beer at georgia southern this week and meth in the press box they found a guy with a meth and chicken fingers in indiana i'm sorry in alabama so (laughs) we we hit the issues but we don't we don't take it too seriously so nice love it that that's how we are too and remind me next time i see you in person to tell you the uh pat 40 greg marshall's wife experience oh in, i was uh, there no the no 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 the year that they that uc played at nku oh. and they played wichita state they were both top 10 teams oh. she he was stan pat was standing outside the door of the wichita state locker room because wichita state won it was like snap uc's home losing or home winning streak and she's walking around going, where's Pat 40? And then I'll tell you the rest of me <laughs> some other time. <laughs> Thanks, Pete. We appreciate it, man. That was great. Thank great you, Pete. Dave. Thank you. Go read really it. Go check it, it out. It is, it is an outstanding look. Uh, and it's about time somebody did some writing in this town as good as Justin Williams. So we appreciate it. Justin's that. great. Justin's great. I'm just trying to keep up. Uh, <laughs> cheer, cheers, guys. Thanks. Thank so much. All right. Thanks, Pat. Or Pete. See you later. Talk to you. You can just go. We'll keep going. That was good. Yeah. That's a heck of a start. That kind of came together late. Um, I, I hit him up uh, this morning. Last night, we, we were chatting for a while. And then this morning, I was like, you know, can, what do you think? And he got back to me this evening and said, I'm in. And uh, that was good. That was a good way to kick off this week because that was, Dave, that was as good an outside look oh, as you see as you will ever find. You, you just you rarely get an opportunity to to write an article like that i mean most of, you know we, we joke about protecting nuclear codes and stuff like that like, like most of these coaches are too paranoid to even you know let you in for an hour let alone a week so uh when you do get that type of access I mean, he, he he got it all so there was a, there was a lot to to digest and and a lot of a lot of good info on a lot of different people yeah, the, the stuff on Wid was awesome. Not enough people know, like, Wid is, Wid is, Wid knows where all of the bodies oh, yeah. are buried. He's, well, he's been there through and through, you know, everything. Yeah, he, he might have buried some of them. The, the Brian Kelly suit story is still, that, like, that was worth reading the article alone, that he bought oh, yeah. Brian Kelly's suit for his introductory press conference, and then the university wouldn't reimburse him for it. <laughs> and Wid being Wid just never told Brian Kelly. Yeah.
<laughs> that's I, funny. I, he's better better man than I. I'd have walked up to him as soon as that press conference is over and be like, you owe me 600 bucks, pal. You, know, you, know, you just <laughs> right? this, this multi-million dollar deal. You can afford it. <laughs> <laughs> So that was uh, that was a great way to start. That that that's starting us off hot because yeah, you gotta listen Pete, to their their podcast is great. Race for the case will probably be out tonight or tomorrow. It's their kind of their weekly where they pick pick some games. So you know they'll be talking about the UC Notre Dame game. So yeah, yeah. All right, Dave. Well, that was Pete Thamel, and uh, that should be about it for the week, right? We don't have anything else. Uh, I mean. I don't really have anything coming off a of bye week. There's no game to talk about from last week. Who do they play this week? They play uh, Notre Dame. Did I say that correct? Oh, oh, yeah. I think that's it. Seriously, top ten regular season battle in South Bend. Brian Kelly, Marcus Freeman, Mike Mickens, Chad Bowden. Mike Denbrock. Have you ever seen a game with this much incest? <laughs> I guess it like crossover with this many storylines. It's Michael Young. It's unbelievable. Yeah, there's a lot. Um, you know, Michael Mayer being from, you know, what we would call the greater Cincinnati, you know, area. Oh, Cuffcast closer to UC than most places in Cincinnati. So, I mean, yeah, there is certainly an abnormal amount of pre-existing relationships, crossover. You know, it is, it is definitely not something that you see to this level, ever. I mean, there's just too many coaches, too many players, that, you know, which just adds in storylines when you have two top ten teams playing i mean you usually don't need a whole lot of storylines right. you have two top 10 teams playing that that, that is the storyline that are close play. that never play and that for some reason their two programs have become intertwined in every imaginable way right it's uh and then you know it, it's always dangled out there like if luke fickle would leave notre dame would be one of the jobs he would leave for and it's it's wild but let's get to the football, right? Let's get to the football. I'm good with um, that. As I said on Monday's BBP, Brian Kelly is an elite coach. I would agree. He is taking a, a very inexperienced team. I don't know that they're particularly young. Like you're not looking at – they don't have a bunch of freshmen on the field. No. Um, but they're inexperienced. They, they lost a ton of guys from last year that were significant contributors. I would say they're young on the offensive line. Yes, they are. And they've, they've had a lot of churn, especially left tackle, Yeah, uh, to, to get to that point. Um, but overall, they're not like a, you know, a, a team that's restarting or resetting. Yeah. They're, they are a team that is gaining experience and learning how to play together. Um, I think in in a lot of areas, Cincinnati probably, because they have the edge and experience, is ahead of where Notre Dame's at in, in quite a few different spots. But you have an elite coach in Brian Kelly. You have Marcus Freeman, who 
based on the Purdue and Wisconsin games is getting his defense right. Now you could argue whether Purdue and Wisconsin are any good on offense. Um, but yeah, but they, I mean, there's, they're playing better. Yeah. They're playing better. Um, this is a game that, that on paper feels like it is going to be a bottle of Tums to get you through this thing because it feels like it's going to be a Mick Cronin style rock. Well, did, did you see Bill Conley SP plus prediction <coughs> today? No. 1310? So, <laughs> no, way closer than that. SP plus prediction. Notre Dame 25.3, UC 25.2. Wow. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean – these are two teams that are that are coached well. Like I said, Cincinnati has the edge and experience, but Notre Dame, if, I mean, if you look at recruiting rankings, Notre Dame across the board is going to have the edge and, like, raw talent. Well, I mean, I think – I don't think I'm being unfair or anything when I say Notre Dame has the two best players on the field. Hamilton definitely fits that bill. And I think Mayor. I think two, I'd say Sauce is as most, good as Michael Two best, Mayer. two most impactful, like. Well, I mean, I would argue Sauce is right on par with Michael Mayer. I would, I would, I would not disagree, but like Michael Mayer is, for all intents and purposes, when you look at NFL, I think he's the best tight end in the country. He is. Well, I, I agree with that, but he's also like, when people go NFL tight end and they go George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller younger Rob Gronkowski, like, that is Michael Mayer. Absolutely. Like, he walks into the NFL as a top five tight end in the, in the league. I think I would agree with that completely. So, and I, I don't, you know, as much as I love Sauce, I don't think he walks into the NFL as a top five corner. You know, a little bit different. We're not comparing position, but, you know, tight ends to corners. But the point still remains, like, Kyle Hamilton is a, depending on where you want to draft a safety, I mean, he's a top top five, top ten pick. Mayor's a first-rounder. Sauce is a first-rounder. But, like, they have very, very, very good players. Now, some of their weaknesses can be exploited where you see a strong, and and I think vice versa, which is why I just think this game shapes up to be extremely, extremely close. I would agree with that a thousand percent. Uh, do you think it maybe takes some of the monkey off the back for Brian Kelly to get that win last week to get ahead of Rockney to be their I mean, winningest coach? I would, I imagine that he is thankful that that happened last week and it didn't line up to where it was this week. I just think, yeah, that took all of the attention last week. I don't, and I'm not saying he couldn't handle it or the team couldn't handle it, but like, if I'm him, I don't want both of these things happening at the same time. Like, I don't want the Rockney stuff and playing UC happening at the same time. So I think, not that it, I don't know if it would have made one bit of difference, but I just think if you can choose, I think he's glad that it's, it's not the same week. Yeah, I would agree with that completely. Um, when Cincinnati has the ball, I, from what I heard from this week, I would not expect to see Benny McConnell again this week. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it might be a while. That makes sense. I mean, even if he's better going through mono, 
I mean, you're automatically I mean, going to lose a ton of weight. Yeah. So, Even, and, you know, and a ton of weight for him is what, 305 to like 280, 285? Like, you don't, it's not a. Okay, lower than that. Um, <laughs> but, but still, like, that's not what you want to be be doing no so and, and it's not even the weight as much too as it's like play strength strength right stamina you know all all of those aspects need to be built back up not just like pack on 20 30 more pounds i mean those guys can do that in a week but that that whole thing just sucks the life out of you to where you're gonna go out there and play 70 80 snaps right um i, mean, I so thought that- i thought lorenz Metz. Yeah, I think here's something that's not like here's a concern that's not being talked about if, if Vinny's out for a while. He's also your backup center. Right. Then you've got Jake Renfro who is yeah, playing had, through a head issues that you know himself. So you know. That's that's probably the bigger concern because I, I do think Matt's held his own. Now, Notre Dame is going to be a different animal than Indiana uh, along their, their defensive front. I do, yes, I think Indiana though. I think Indiana runs a lot of games, and I that hasn't necessarily been Marcus's mo. No, he's pretty straightforward from a defense. Like Indiana runs a lot of games, and you know I thought that they did a pretty good job with that, and I thought he did a really good job run blocking. Um, you know, I pointed out, especially on the drive after UC kicked the field goal, but Indiana had the penalty we took the points off the board fourth and yeah. one i mean that those whole i don't know if it was three or four plays until they scored but i mean he just dog walked his guy on every play right so i mean my my bigger concern would be on the edge because notre dame does have a defensive end that's you know in the top 30 in sacks he's got three sacks this year their, I think their defensive line is outside of Kyle Hamilton. The defensive line is certainly the strength of the defense. Um, so it's just a matter of, you know, cannot get off to the start that you did against Indiana. You cannot have the pre-snap penalties. Like you're just in a, you're just in an unwinnable situation. Like what are you going to call on second, on second and fifteen, or third and twelve? Like, right. That's not a convertible down in distance like I don't care what offense you're in like you know you're just not going to convert that and you just can't do that six seven straight drives to open up a game again um especially this week so I mean from an offensive standpoint two things that I'm hoping to see are more designed runs for Dez because I, I just think we see this all the time, and I don't know what Marcus will do because they've never had he never had to do this at UC. Like, but we saw this all the time. The the whole spy thing, and I always laughed at that. I'm like, our quarterback's more athletic than your spy, right? So like, what do you do? Like, great, you you're spying him. He's just going to run past that guy. So like, do they use Kyle Hamilton somewhat in that role? I, you know, I don't know. They have kind of a, a platoon at linebacker. 
Some seem to be better fit for passing down. Some seem to be better fit for rundowns. Like, if I'm UC, I go pass heavy on first down. I go more Des designed runs, and I get Chuck more involved because I think he can be an equalized, you know, an advantage from an athletic standpoint that you haven't really used yet. Um, and then I try to single up Houston Griffin, their other safety, who I think is suspect in coverage. So that might be where you implement more to double tight end because Kyle Hamilton's probably their only guy that can really match up with Josh Wiley. So then who cover, you know, who covers Lenny Taylor? What does that do to the other, to the receivers? I mean, I think that there's certain, you know, Notre Dame's defense has played much better after Florida State, Toledo. Toledo, yeah. Their SP plus has been cut in half the last two weeks. They've gone from 36 to 18th defensively. They have on third down the last two weeks. I mean, I think it's something crazy like three for 29 that they've allowed. It might have been five, but it's 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 low. Whatever it is, it's um, low. So they are they are building into what Marcus you know wants them to do. I don't think their corners are great. Um, I think you can can kind of exploit them a little bit there, but they've turned the ball over. They lead the nation in, in turnovers. So, I mean, I think we, fans need to detach Florida State Toledo from what they are now, especially de- defensively. Like that's not the same team. They were trying stuff. It didn't work. Marcus has totally changed how that. Well, he has a better feel for what his personnel can do. Exactly. And you knew that was happening. Like, we talked about this in the offseason. Notre Dame was going to be way different in game two than they were going to be in game five. And we've seen it play out where, look, Marcus Freeman is really smart, really good defensive coach, really understanding, and and, and comes from that school of what Pete Thamel talked about that, that Luke taught him, if it ain't working, tear it up and do something else like well, quit trying them, to do something that ain't working it took them two years to get it the way they wanted it here and they went through two or three different like like not complete scheme overhauls but like they changed their philosophy a couple times yeah before they landed on the three three five and and spreading out and and playing to the strength of their their secondary so yeah he's he's experimenting he's trying to on the fly adjust to what he has and he's very good at it like that's one of the things we talked about with Marcus when he was here we loved from week to week what was schematically going to be different because he saw something right so he knew he was going to do that at Notre Dame I also I just think too like I've said it countless times like college football is such a coach quarterback thing and while Brian Kelly is an excellent excellent coach there is a decided mismatch at the quarterback in this game. And, you know, I'm not saying Dez has to do it by himself because I know he doesn't have to, but, like, here's the time where Dez steps up and goes, yeah, I'm that guy. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make the plays that need to be made and I'm going to make the decisions that are the right decisions. And I'm going to put us in position to win this game. And I have full confidence that he can do it. You yeah. know, he just has to do it. I mean, I don't, 
I know it hasn't happened this year, but like, I don't know how far back it went last year. Obviously, not in the SEC championship game. Like, I don't think Georgia's allowed a quarterback to throw for two touchdowns in, and I don't know how. Like, I just, I'm, he just needs to step up and be that guy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, when Notre Dame has the ball, Jack Cohn. I don't think Jack Cohn, I think in the right situation, Jack Cohn can be a pretty good quarterback. But that right situation involves an offensive line. Is it terrible? That, that allows him to not have to move much. And now you're talking Jack Cohn coming off an ankle injury behind an offensive line that stinks against a defensive line that's one of the best in the country at getting pressure. Now, the sacks haven't been there yet. Oh, that's misleading, though, because the two of the three teams they played, I mean, you would have had just been a total free runner to basically sack the quarterback. Right. That's, but what I'm saying is they've gotten the pressure. Right. The oh, sacks yeah. haven't gotten there yet. but They they've got done plenty of pressure them. against Michael Penix. Yeah. They have one sack. And Cone is not a guy that's like Penix. As we saw, Penix is going to get it out. He might throw it right at you. But he's going to get it out before the rush gets to him. Well, it just like, and you now have some possible weather. And they've been a, they've been a, at least against Wisconsin. They, I think, in, to their credit, and we'll see if they do it again, because the defensive alignment is, is going to be different, but the defenses are very similar. Like, you see in Wisconsin from a statistical standpoint are, are pretty even defensively. Like, they've basically said, we can't run the ball. So, we're not, like, we're not going to run the ball. Um, like, they ran it on first down very few times against Wisconsin. Um, so, but if, if it's a weather game and you have an, a quarterback that is already pretty immobile, dealing with some level of ankle injury against an off, with an offensive line that has not been able to run block at all, has given up the second most sacks in the country. They've given up almost 10 tackles for loss a game. So, you know, they're running the ball. Their yards before contact are dead last in the country. The next closest team, it has twice as many yards before contact as they do. So, like, they're running the ball at an insanely poor rate. You know, I would, I would just pressure on top of pressure on top of pressure. I mean, outside of Mayer, like they have okay receivers, but they, they do. don't have Kevin Austin, tickets. Kevin Austin, uh, Braden Lensley, however you say his name. Like they've got good receivers, but like Kevin Austin is athletic, but I wouldn't say that he's like a, a great receiver. Um, right. Like they move him around. That'll be the interesting thing. How much of what they, how much of what Indiana did going three by one, using the tight end on the backside. Um, it didn't really work. No, but it, I mean, that's but not but what I mean. Were you just going to throw the ball at sauce? You're going to, you're going to give, you're going to give that whoever, Pick your wide receiver. I mean, you're, are you going to allow Sauce to be the guy on Mayer? 
Because I think they can, he's long enough to shut down. Well, Mayor, Mayor will, will split out. I mean, they, they, from what it sounds like, they move their guys around. Austin can, has played in the slot. So they're not just like, they don't really do the whole like boundary field wide receiver thing. Like they, these guys are kind of all over the place, which is to the, which is to the benefit of them. I mean, that's how you get, mis- that's how you get mismatches. Um, I am, I'm worried a little bit. Like they're running back. They're both, their running backs are very good. Kyron Williams. Yes. And, but they can't block for them. Yeah. So but, far. but they're still like, they have like Chris Tyree broke the, brought a kickoff back against uh, Wisconsin in the kind of when the game was still in the in the throws against Purdue, they ran Kyron Williams up the middle, and he I mean he just like would not be tackled, just wouldn't. So I am a little. It's been my thing the whole time with the three three five is if they get the if they can get those guys out to the edge, you know it could be a problem there. And it could be a problem if they're just like, Let's, we're just going to nut up and we're going to just see what what happens and we're just going to run it straight ahead. Um, I don't – again, though, that's a lot – I mean, if it's raining all – like if it starts raining or it's raining all day, like it's – Do they have grass think, or turf? I, I don't know. Uh, they had grass because that was always the thing that they always joked about. Right. They didn't cut it. Uh, I, I honestly don't know if it's still grass or not. Um, I don't either. either. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's, I would think, you know, and that's the other thing is they've talked about multiple quarterbacks. Is that really what you want to do? You really want to like split reps going into this game? Like, obviously if Jack Cohn's hurt. You have to give someone but else. But the backups some hurt, and you and have the to give someone else hurt some too, reps right? in case that, in case he gets hurt in the game. Like someone else has to take some reps. Yeah, the backup had a hamstring deal. Sounds like he's okay. Drew Pine, he was out for the Tyler Buckner backup freshman. Out against Wisconsin, hamstring injury. Sounds like he's a go this week. So Drew Pine it, got hurt at the end of the game. Wisconsin. It sounds, well, it sounds like if Cone can go, it's Cone and Buckner. If Cone can't go, it's yeah, Pine and Pine and Buckner. Pine would be the start. Yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be too excited about playing the freshman in this game for like his first like. If if Notre Dame does decide we're going run heavy, how quickly do you want to see Cincinnati? start mixing in that four-man front because that's what we saw against indiana it just took longer than maybe like uh immediately 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 have that like in the holster and as soon as they run two times in a row it's like all right four-man front (laughs) i just i don't know like why why wouldn't you yeah it's i mean it's what like i said last week this is what i talked about in the in the summer like I would be playing a four-two-five more. Yeah, I, it still gives you the. It still gives you. Still puts, kind of gives you what you want from the secondary. What linebacker are you taking off? DeBlanco, leaving Beavers and Pace. Yeah. Because if you theoretically, if you have the extra defensive interior defensive lineman, 
do you really need the middle linebacker? Or you can use the middle linebacker as your fourth defensive lineman and just have him at the line of scrimmage. Sure. Run blitzing the entire time. Yeah, I think, I don't know. I, I think, but you'd rather have Brooks and Brown or. I feel or, like if you're run, if you're run blitzing the entire time, like you're not as cognizant, you're not as aware of, of what's going on. Like you're singularly focused to like beat this. Like you're not used to shedding blocks to stop the run game because you're just like, I'm just going to get the quarterback. Right. Like if the running back happens to run into me, great. But it's not like, it's not your, it's not your focus, so to speak, the same way it is. As defense. And if you're getting gashed running the ball, I don't really like put in the 300 pound guy, not the 250 pound guy. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> uh, special teams. Notre Dame has the advantage of place kicker. Um, am I, am I a dumbass for keeping telling myself, look, I know Cole Smith has struggled, but when the chips have been down and you see has needed him, Cole Smith has hit kicks. I don't really worry about it. Like okay. they're, they're college kickers, like <laughs> trying to, trying to, per, I mean, he almost flushes a 52 yarder, you know, barely hits the upright and then he cold shanks an extra point. Like. So Okay, so uh, tell me like, what's your thought process here. I'm not overly worried about return games because big returns are about as rare as humanly possible. And both of these teams had critical yeah. game-changing kickoff returns for touchdowns. That ain't We're not seeing anything in the kick return game this week. That ain't happened two weeks in a row. Especially because what happens, right? Like a team gets a kick return for a touchdown and then all that team focuses on the next week in practice is we're not letting that happen. Indiana had what? A punt return for a touchdown and then a kick return that went like 70 yards, whatever. Block two punts. Yeah. Cincinnati special teams was on high alert against Indiana and Indiana didn't get anything done in the special teams game. So I don't think either of these teams are going to have a whole lot of success in kick and punt returns. And apparently Ryan Montgomery's dinged up. Uh, he didn't take the last punt return against Indiana. And, oh. uh, you know, I, Luke doesn't really talk about injuries. We don't know. But one would, you know, reason to believe he's at least, you know, questionable Yeah, coming into Notre Dame. So. I, I'm not expecting a lot in the return game from either team just because it, it's just so rare that you see teams double up on something like that because the opponent is on such like re 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 well, like yeah, I mean let's, let's just see uh I'm looking something up so to keep going. Okay. Um, but I, I do like the, 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 the place kicking game and it, like, that's the thing. Normally I'm not worried about the place kicking game, Dave, but what did you just say about S and P plus like 25.3 to 25.2? Like this oh, is a yeah. game that could be decided by a place kicker and, and Notre Dame has an advantage there. So that has to be at least somewhat of a concern, right? I'm not saying it's not a concern. I just like, you don't worry about it. College, it's just like college kickers outside of 
uh, you know, Evan McPherson, who apparently is like the greatest kicker in the history of kicking, <laughs> kicking the football. He's your favorite kicker of all time already. Uh, like, they're just so inconsistent. Like, I'm, you know, I just, it's hard for me to like hem and haul over something like that. Like, you know, Cole struggles at times and has struggled at times in the past. And then, like you said, when it's, when it's truly mattered, he's pretty much been spot on. I mean, and the I Georgia think, game, the block, but I, I mean, how much of that was his fault? How much uh, of that was, it's hard to that tell. was a free I, I, run. I, mean, I would have to re, you know, Jordan Davis is a, is a first round 350 pound Goliath. It's a big um, man playing, playing defensive tackle for them. I mean, you know, how many college kickers back at SMU would have made the third attempt after the two, you know, the two timeouts? Like, right. There's just, I just, you know, do I wish he was like, you know, 15 for 16 or 24 for 25 for his career, long of 54? Of course. I'm not saying like, I'm, I'm okay with right. like a, a seven, six, I know what you're seven, saying. 77, but it's just like, it is what it is. We know exactly what we've got. Yeah, but in this pod, we're breaking down what's yeah. the, the advantages and disadvantages on the field. Yeah, I mean, Notre Dame I, has if, an advantage. If, if it turns kicker. into a kicking contest, then I um, take Notre Dame. Okay. That's all I was getting at. We're just talking through everything. If it turns into like horse or knockout. Do you want to give your stat of the day? Stat of the day. Stat what, of the day. Stat of the day? This okay. is stat of the day. Oh, the, the Notre Dame's rushing yeah. offense is worse than UConn's? Yeah, that one. Yeah. Say that again. Notre Dame's rushing offense is worse than UConn's. That's in yards per attempt or yards? I think that is it. Here, hold on. I'll, I'll pull it up again. It's easy to find. You go to the last page because they both stink. Uh, let's see. That would just be in yards. Uh, Notre Dame yards. is averaging 80 yards a game. Rushing UConn is averaging 94.6 yards a game. Way to go, UConn. Uh, and, and, and then there was another one after that. If you go, go yards by, per yeah, carry. Yards per carry, Notre Dame is third to last at 2.29 yards per carry. Uh, UConn is a whopping 3.13 yards per carry. So, they, I mean, they're, they're almost getting a first down every four. <laughs> they're, barely, they're barely getting a first down every four carries. Notre Dame is not. Uh, no, they are. They are. Two no. points. Every three carries. Well, yeah, say so you go for it on fourth down. Right. All right. Anything else you want to you want to touch on here? I mean, I'm just like I'm like just so fired up for this game. Like I don't All right, Wes. Tell me how you feel, Wes Miller. I'm not like I'm not It's not that I'm like overly confident that UC is going to win. I just like I'm excited to go to a game like a regular, a regular season regular season game. Big environment, top two, top ten teams, like tons of, tons of. It, what are the implications? What is you know, all the all the narratives, whatever. I just I'm excited to watch two teams that I think are like super super close together in in a lot of of areas, and that's like, you know, sometimes most of the time when I when I see like people, you know, last week or two weeks ago, for instance, like 
I didn't think there was any chance in hell they were going to lose to Indiana. And you're seeing people like, you know, Indiana's going to beat a lot, you know, like whatever. Like, I don't, I'm not upset at all if like anybody thinks that Notre Dame's going to win. They've, they've have what the second or third longest home winning streak in the country. Second and UC's third, right? Right. So if UC wins, yeah, yeah, then UC Um, would be second. They've, they have a very, very similar record over like the last three years as UC, like, whatever it is, 36 and five, 30. There are five losses, I, I think, over that time. Michigan, Georgia, like playoff Alabama, playoff Alabama, playoff Clemson. Like, they do not lose this game. Like, like, it, like I don't care what Vegas says. Like, they have not lost this game in an incredibly long time. Right. They only lose on the highest of stages to the bluest of blue bloods. Except Michigan. Let me take a shot. Let me no. take a shot at Harbaugh. I, I agree. Hey, I don't disagree. But, th- like, they don't lose this game. They don't. So while, right. I, while I'm you know, I just – this team is just – and I, we said it at kind of after the Indiana game, and obviously this – I'm not going to compare playing – This is different, Indiana yeah. Memorial Stadium versus playing Notre Dame at Notre Dame Stadium. But, like, they played – I like, love that it's just Notre Dame Stadium. They, yeah, they played like dog shit in the first half. You know, as Pete said, as we can attest to, like, there is just no flinch. There is no back down, like – they always feel like they are in control. They can win. And I I don't think this iteration of Notre Dame, and I think they were probably boosted by their fourth quarter performance against Wisconsin. That included a, punt, a kickoff touchdown and two pick sixes. Yeah, I mean, Graham, Graham, Graham Mertz is terrible what you okay how, you remember, how much heat do you have to take at wisconsin for picking graham mertz over jack cone i don't well, know either up, of them until, are all that good, like, but. up until last week he hadn't thrown a touchdown pass since like november of last year he had one in the bowl game but in regular season yeah he hadn't thrown a touchdown pass in six <laughs> games but i just like i'm not going to say like team of destiny because i always laugh about like the whole like uh, they control their own destiny thing. Like you don't control destiny. Like I really wish people would stop saying that. <laughs> destiny is not destiny controllable. Is not control. It is destiny. That's why it's destiny? So please <laughs> look stop. up the definition of destiny. Please stop. It's not saying, controllable. Please stop saying that. College sport people. <laughs> but I just like they're just a different set of dudes. Yeah. I mean their their confidence level. You call it swagger. Call it you know juice. Whatever it is like. They're not going to, like, now they might make uncharacteristic errors, but I don't think it's because they're, like, intimidated by the moment or they look across the field and it's like, oh, it's Notre Dame. Like, they don't give a shit about that. Right. Thoughts so, on what Des had to say this week? I love it. You know me. I love I it. I know. Like, talk talk your stuff, man. He's la- like, he's laughing and joking. With he, the- here's, my, here's my thing. And and. This will always be my thing. You cannot ask coaches and players to be honest 
and then tell them not to be honest when they when say they something that you that you don't like or approve of. Like, does you, that also stand for Brian Kelly saying like he was doing Cincinnati a favor by scheduling? This I mean, game? I don't, I don't think he he didn't say he was doing us a favor. He said he's no an opportunity. I don't. That, well, care. that's like, I think similar. It was, I think it was taken out of context. Like, I understand what he's saying. Yeah. I'm, I'm not. I think the problem people had is that he's equating Cincinnati with Central Michigan. He also straight up today on the Dan Patrick Show said, "I'm. I also am now reevaluating my decision to give them <laughs> said opportunity." So, like, you know, again, I think, like as time has passed, I, I think like with Brian, Brian I really people, do. People just want to hear what they want to hear with him sometimes. Like, yeah, like you know, I'm not going to tell anybody to get over it or whatever. The past is the past. Like, you know, whatever. I, I don't have a problem with with him saying that. Now, if UC wins, he can bet his sweet ass that, like, thanks for the opportunity, Brian, is going to be plastered all over the place. But, hey, you know, just like we said about Des, like, you know, I talk. I like talk. Talk that shit. Talk it, man. Like, we want to hear what people are really like. We want We don't want to hear coach speak. We don't want to hear Butch Jones-isms. And that's and, a little peek into Des. Like he's got a little bit of that. Oh, he talks fickle sarcasm. Like, well, but he he chirps. Like people, do, I don't know. I mean, UC fans know, but like he chirps. He chirps. Yeah, he knows. Oh, yeah. He's, most of the time, he's the best player on the field. Yeah. So I don't have a problem with it. I mean, what you think Notre Dame's going to play harder because Des said that it'll be quiet, like it won't be allowed for very long. Like they're not like. As all, if they weren't going to play hard anyway. Right, they weren't going to play hard like, to begin oh, with. Well, so now, now we're, now we're going to play hard. <laughs> now, Kyle now Hamilton's going gonna to be like, Kyle Hamilton wasn't going to go after an interception, but now that Des said that, he's going to be like, yeah. I'm going to go get this one. Now I'm going to really try hard in the fourth quarter. Before, <laughs> I, I was going to probably put it on cruise control, but that son of a bitch quarterback from UC said that it wasn't going to be loud for long. So now I'm really going to go get him. Does the rain change that? The the crowd noise? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think it does. Like, I, I do think, like, you're just, that's... You're just, like, if you, like, especially if it starts happening while we're tailgating, like, it just brings your whole, like, demeanor down. Like, you're Your not, feng shui is... is... You're, just not as, you're just not as fired up, man. I mean, it's plain and simple, like... Like, now I'm going to have to stand here in the rain for yeah, four you're, hours. You're like, there's nowhere for me to <clears> – there's no cover. Yeah, Notre right. Dame Stadium, like, there's no cover. You're, you're not sneaking into the concourse to watch the game in Notre Dame. I didn't bring the right gear, and my my wife or girlfriend is giving me a hard time because she's been sitting in the rain for, for two hours, or my husband, you know, could be the husband isn't as big into the football as the wife is. So I don't want to be. I don't want to. <laughs> Times be, are uh, changing. That's right. I mean, believe me, my mom will be out there in the pouring down rain way longer than my dad would be. So, way longer than Dave would be. Oh no, I'll be. I, dude, I stood through. Here, this is totally off topic. But do you the remember, Miami monsoon? Oh no, I did stand through that one. That's not even the the wettest game I've been to. When we when I was in school at UT, so probably like. 0304. Do you remember the Florida State at Louisville game that just no. Chris Ricks was the Florida State quarterback? From the minute we left Knoxville, it was a torrential downpour the entire drive and the entire game. I mean, the field was flooded, dudes were sliding like 
you know, 20, 30 <laughs> yards. Like, Florida State was ranked, I think, in the top five or ten, and Louisville upset them. But like, that would have happened in that UC Miami game, but nobody moved the ball more than like right 18 feet so, no, for most I, of the game. I am, and being having the golfer background, I have excellent rain gear. Okay. So I'm always prepared to stand stand in the elements. But yes, it definitely dampens the crowd. No pun intended. No pun intended. Um, I don't know. I don't, what else you got? You got anything else? Or you want to get into talking about the Simone uh, weekend or like what extended weekend in well, South are, are Bend? We gonna, are we going to pick the game? Yeah, we'll get. Yeah. Oh, we're, okay. gonna, we're okay. not going to do that yet. <laughs> we can do it now. I, I was going to talk about some other stuff and then pick the game at the, okay, the end. Yeah, we'll wait what, till the end. All right. What's the uh, what's the Simone travel agenda look like? I know we're, we're recording. Everybody's going to be really surprised. One, that we got Pete Thamel on the day that he released the most comprehensive look into UC football that's maybe ever been been published in a national publication. Uh, but two, Wednesday night this week, because Dave's Dave's got plans. I do. Let, will, let, let him have it. I'll be attending the Bengals game tomorrow. Last last minute thing. Kind of an unfortunate thing. Friend of the family. <laughs> well, no. I would friend of, oh, the, okay. friend of the family, you know, had. I thought oh, you meant it was unfortunate you were going to the Bengals no, game. No, friend of the family had like a knee replacement surgery and ended up finding out that he is a colonizer for basically every type of infection that known to man. So ended oh, up getting like MRSA and SARS and all oh, sorts crap. of shit and was in the hospital. And then, you know, so he can't, you know, he's out of the hospital in a, in a rehab facility, but like, so he sits, they sit in the row right behind where my dad sits. So I'm using his ticket. So I would rather he be okay. able to go to the game. That would mean he's not in, you know, and you, you might've met him too. He comes to the UC games and uh, tailgates with us. But uh, so going to that, leaving at halftime, Driving to South Bend, playing golf Friday morning, and then it's uh, party time until uh, until the game. Parents, next door neighbors, grew up in South Bend. Parents still live in South Bend, so they're throwing the tailgate somewhere close to the stadium. Uh, our house that we rented is a twenty-minute walk from the stadium. As you were joking earlier, did we get did we get the house when they announced the game? I, I do not think it was was back in whatever that was, 2019. Like eight, 2018, 2000, yeah, somewhere in there. No, we've had it for a while. So uh, and that's the other thing too. Like I was all excited because I was like, when UC wins, I'll put the address up on Bearcat Journal and we can have the biggest, you know, victory party. But if it's raining. I ain't letting any of you animals in this house because it's an Air- Airbnb and we're not paying like an extra cleaning fee. If it's not raining, we can all, it's got a big backyard, big deck. We can all get stupid out there. But, you know. After you do Dave After Dark. Well, yeah, after we do Dave After Dark. But, or you uh, can do it outside from like the deck, like with a pair of headphones in and the laptop and people can just <laughs> come by. I think people want me to do like the uh, open community Zoom yeah. Where we invite everybody. What do you? What yeah. are your thoughts on that? I. I mean, honestly, like, if they win, and it's you don't not, care. 
pouring down rain and I'd be bring a bunch of people out like I'm not going to be paying much attention to like an open like so yeah we need to do like Chad and Dave Dave after dark and then maybe towards the end we can let Dave go and then invite the community in and it'll be like a extended deal that was kind of my thinking like maybe maybe we do 45 30 45 minutes and then i put the right the link out there for people to join after we get oh, we, the majority might, of Dave yeah, after dark the invite has already gone out to several local celebrities that will be at the, <laughs> at the game um so obviously depending on the weather that's the other part that kind of is, is bumming me out it's like i want to be able to celebrate after the game with a bunch of people like outside and if it doesn't look that just definitely it doesn't look like it's gonna rain hard it just looks like there's like periods of like spotty rain and then into the night it's light rain what i've seen is just constant now i don't know how hard it is but just consistent rain from about two o'clock on as of right now well we don't know like it's it's wednesday so you're not gonna really know have a good idea on that until like friday no i agree but but yes i'm hoping that it just keeps pushing out because I would like to party with, you know. Are you just tailgating at the Airbnb and walking to the stadium? No, or they you, have a ta- gonna... their tailgate. They have the whole, they're taking care of like the whole tailgate. It's something like in one of the lots. Okay. Are you going to find our friends at uh, ROC? It depends on where now. this tailgate is. Like I'm not, okay. I'm not hauling my ass all over campus. <laughs> like if I, guess, <laughs> I mean, it's the parents' tailgate, so. If they've okay. been like ticket holders or for this long, like I'm guessing it's like a fairly good spot. Yeah. What so, did you think of the uniform combo? I love it. You love they're, they're our guy. Our guy. This is going to be down to our guy, Dave. Our guy might have to get us a win. I don't trust it. anybody more than I trust Red Helms. Let's go bring it. When I saw that today. I, I'm going to have to break out Red Helms for the Holy Grail. Yeah. I might have my whole crew in Red Helms t-shirts. I know I Mike. Mike I is like, sending me a couple extras. I, I, just, I just like all the unions, man. Like, I know. There's not think, really. Everybody hates you, the white helmets. I don't have a problem with white helmets. I don't either. My favorite helmet, if we're, get, if we're getting on the uniforms. <laughs> my favorite helmet. Is the black helmet with the sea paw on one side, the number the on the other, and the white face mask? I love the white face mask. I love the white that's face my, mask. That's my favorite helmet. Like, I, I think, love I think the white all face black mask. is all black is reserved for home nip, nip at night. night. Yeah. And then I like the black white black combo a lot. Yes. Um, so this is the you know the red white black combo. Like I think it's sharp. I think for an afternoon game, like, I like the red more than the black. I want black at night, like, the black helmets at night. Like, middle of the afternoon NBC national TV game, I love those red helmets. And especially with the the contrast of the red helmets, the the white jersey, and the black pants. Mm -hmm. I think it's a sharp combo. Sharp. All right, predictions. This one's tough, man. This one's so tough because it's it's going to be close. I I have a hard time seeing this being unless 
you know, unless like we saw it and I, and I still don't think this is like is similar to Wisconsin because Wisconsin couldn't score if their life, they have what one drive that was relevant that entire well, and game. It, and it was still 13, 10. Yeah. The Wisconsin quarter, was maybe. winning, but once Notre Dame put just a little bit of game pressure on Wisconsin, Wisconsin had to get out of what, but who they are. They just don't um, have, and they just did. Their offense the, stinks. They don't have a their quarterback, running back, and none of their receivers, and I don't think tight ends would start for UC. Right. So, and that's not to say that that Notre Dame won that game as a fluke. It's Notre oh, Dame no. put game pressure on Wisconsin, and Wisconsin wasn't good enough to withstand that game pressure, and Mertz folded. And was and and Notre Dame was in large part responsible for that. For sure. <clears throat> so I'm not taking the IU path of like you know. Wisconsin just got – and if this would have been different – no, 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 no. Wisconsin's offense is terrible. And as soon as there was legitimate fourth-quarter game pressure on Wisconsin, they were doomed. They no, were it, sunk. It, it wasn't the IU. All the mistakes we made were self-inflicted wounds, and all the mistakes yeah. you made were because of the stuff that we did. Right. So I give Notre Dame a majority of credit for that. But, but, Notre, but Wisconsin's offense stinks, and once they were in a hole – Notre Dame had a decided advantage. I don't think Cincinnati feels that being down a score, being down four points, isn't going to make Cincinnati panic. So it's close going into the fourth quarter. There's going to be a momentum changing, a game changing play at some point in time, which team makes it. I, I pick Cincinnati in the preseason. You also pick I'm, Indiana. I, yeah, but that was <laughs> that was different Give at that point time. in time. We didn't know that Michael Penix was going to be a fucking disaster in the preseason. We also didn't know the greatest football player to ever lace him up yeah. was going to get thrown out. Dave, if Michael McFadden doesn't get ejected, you see, doesn't score. I mean, they might not have they might not have gotten the first down. Right, it would have been it would have been three and outs the entire the whole length game. of the yeah the whole game. Um. I think Cincinnati wins in the fourth quarter. I, I, I think it's going to be close. I think it's a one-score game. I'm going to go 28-27 Cincinnati. I think, I think Des leads a touchdown drive in the fourth quarter. Down 27-21, and, and then they stop Notre Dame. It's not, a, it's not a walk-off drive. It's a drive with a couple minutes left, and then they stop Notre Dame. Uh, and Cincinnati wins 28-27. I, uh, I agree. With 28-27? No. Okay. But, but, <laughs> but the Bearcats uh, will win. Yeah. You can't say you're going to go 13-0 and then not say you're going to go 4 <laughs> And then go 3-1. <laughs> so, you know, I have a lot of – a long – Long streak going here, but um, I just I just think this is a Desritter game. I think this is a how about how much let let let's let's take it back. A year ago, they played three weeks. Desritter is okay, but not spectacular. They have a bye week. They like okay. It's kind of bad. The first three weeks last year. This year, (laughs) this year he was okay, but but not like blow your doors off great. Um, They have a bye week now. Notre Dame's defense is not SMU's defense, but Desmond Ritter was brilliant Fact. coming off a of bye week in week five last year. He was on the road. 
on the road. I just like, I think this is, you know, this isn't, I don't think this is anything that enters his mind, but this is like the announcing to the nation, like, hey, we, we're not, you're just like plucky little upstart right. AAC team. Like, you know, you have major, major games on at, at 3.30, but, you know, people, this is going to get a big number. Like, oh, yeah. So there's going to be plenty of people watching. And I just like, I just think he makes enough plays and they figure out a way to win. And I'm going to go. Let's see. I'm going to go 28-24. Cincinnati scores late to get to 28 or Cincinnati holds Notre Dame off at 28-24. Uh, just to just to add a little intrigue to the prediction. goes down 24 nothing and then scores 24 20, nothing and scores 28 unanswered. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I I think I think UC takes the lead, you know, this is such, <laughs> such a deep dive. I know, like, we're just having fun with UC, this. UC takes the lead with six minutes and 42 seconds to go in the fourth quarter. <laughs> and then, uh, and then hold, holds on from there. All right. How about, if uh, I, how about if I nail that? That's, that's impressive. If it's 632, like, it doesn't count. <laughs> they take the lead with 632 left in the fourth quarter. It doesn't count. Uh, and then, and then what it's, it's, they take the lead. It's 21, 17 Cincinnati takes the lead 28, 17 Notre Dame gets a touchdown with three minutes left, gets a stop, gets the ball back. And then, and then sauce walks it off with a pin. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if we're going to be absurd, let's just yeah. be absurd. Mm-hmm. Let's just be absurd. Uh, we didn't ask Pete about this, and people are going to be pissed that we didn't ask him. The, the indoor practice facility was the, the talk of the board. The minute that that article came out, uh, Pete said they were what, they're sitting at the corner of Vine and McMillan, and Luke like points out like that might be with the spot. That's the, the Hollister rec area with, with tennis courts. It's right behind if you're trying to envision where this is in Clifton. It's right behind Mad Frog. Um, I think it is the most logical option. I, I have no inside information. I've heard Coy Field for the longest time. But then there was another option that has come up. And, you know, I believe that that other option that came up is the Hollister Rec area. Um, they're looking into both. We have heard from John Cunningham say that there's starting to be some architectural designs if there's architectural designs you got to have pretty good feel on location right well yeah you would need to know like what size to draw these designs (laughs) right unless you have two spaces where you know like we're working with this much at both space right yeah i guess you could you could start the architecture phase at that spot it has to me i could be crazy on this there could be a like there could be a, a, a secret super secret 
uh, spot here that I don't know about. But those two spots seem like the most logical spots where there's actually enough space to do what they want to do. Right. Uh, one, for everybody asking, there is not going to be a basketball facility at this. There's a, it's going to be a football facility. When John Cunningham says it's going to be open for use for everyone, what that's going to mean is if people want to use it when Luke Fickle's not using it, they'll probably allow it. <laughs> But this is going to be football practice field, football offices, football training facility, football dining, you know, uh, nutrition area, indoor practice facility for football. Stay focused, people. That's what this project is about. It's a lot more than just a a field or a field and a half or whatever they decide to do. Right. The indoor facility, if you look, everybody's indoor facility is one field. Now, might there, might they, if they, depending on the spot, could there be a half field outside or whatever the case may be? They already have. Yeah. They already have. Yeah, but they're not going back and forth. You're not running players shakily in the middle of the No, but I mean, like, if they wanted to use that, they would have it. Yeah. But I'm saying, like, if you're, if you want, there there's a possible if you look at a lot of the the indoor facilities it's a hundred yard indoor field and then outside there's maybe a half field or a grass field Mm -hmm. yeah um so you know that depending on the the parcel of land you're dealing with that is a possibility i don't even think like that field if you've ever watched like what goes on at that that short field it's like 30 yards 40 like it's 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 scout team defense it's you don't need a massive parcel of space for the little like outdoor practice field that allows you to not have to do everything in the indoor facility. Um, I'm sure throughout time, as this season comes to a conclusion and, and we get more information, uh, there will be a lot to talk about on that front. But it was interesting that it made it into the article. Look, Luke is a lot of things. One of them is very calculated, right? That didn't make it into that article by accident, bro. Well, that was not happenstance. If you also listen to their podcast this week, Pete, Dan, Pat's College Football Inquirer podcast, they talked more about the article and all that. And Luke, it is, it is clearly, or not clearly to some, about to be clear, that I won't say hostage situation, <laughs> but like the practice facility is uh, extremely important for us to get done. Period. Mm. Period. End of story. Yeah. So when you talk about fast tracking something. That needs to be fast-tracked as much as anything. That it's it's on the level of Brian Kelly and the the and the, the Shakely facility, right? Right. Yeah. Like it's gonna get done. But and guess you, what? You want it done in 2023, not 2025. Correct. Because it can get and, done. I mean, I, I put it on the board today, like. South Florida broke ground earlier this month on a $40 million facility. 
that they are anticipating being ready for the 2022 season. Yeah, I mean, remember, you're not you're not building the lender center. No, a lot of these things, I mean, the, the vast majority of it is a football field with a roof. So, like, right. it is not, you know, it's not the hardest, most complicated thing to put up. Now, yes, you'll have some, you'll have offices, you'll have weight room, you'll have all that stuff too, but, like, but that'll be like a second entity to the practice facility. Right. It's part of the footprint, but the practice field part of it is not hard to, to get up. Like that is, right. this is that's 95, 90% of the project is the field itself from a, from a scope size wise. So like the other stuff is, is small compared to, to that. So it's not like a, stadium renovation or, or you know something like that but it's you know it's critically important i mean i'm not i'm not saying luke is using it as like a chip but he you know any of us would do the same thing like how fast can you get this done how fast can we keep moving the program forward well will only play into things absolutely that, things that people worry about and things that other schools like you we joke about like negative recruiting you don't think other schools have in the past or will with with a coach i'm not just saying luke will be like you're you've been trying to get that practice facility built since you walked in the door right we've got we got all those things and more right now and if you wanted something new i could snap my fingers and we could get that built for you tomorrow. Like, it's the same thing. I'm not saying that. Well, and, and know, look, X school is saying that to him now, but like, that's how it works, man. And if you're John Cunningham, friend of the podcast, you just said we're in growth mode. You have made it clear we understand the importance of this project, correct? Everybody knows. Like, when John Cunningham got the job, it was number one on the list. Luke Fickle extension. Everybody asked him at the introductory press conference about getting Luke Fickle an extension. Right now, job number one is putting this indoor practice facility plan into hyperdrive. We have been talking about this for what? 10 months? Nine, 10 months? They've had time. A hot minute. A hot minute. A scorching hot minute. They've had time. They understand. So it's go time. Like you need to be, what I would say is you need to be ready by the end of this football season. By the time we get through like, you know, December, the end of the regular season, going into bowl season or shortly in January after a bowl game, you need to be ready to say, this is our plan. We are announcing our indoor practice facility, right? Yeah. That's my thought on it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm overly optimistic, but I think a year for an indoor practice facility is enough time. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I, I feel like, you know, having that ready around July 1st, 2023 might be, might be a good good idea. I don't know. I mean, just throwing dates out there. 
there's a lot of things that could happen around this university. July, August, September 1st, 2023. A lot yeah. of things. So, yeah, I mean, I'm... <laughs> Evil laugh. <laughs> the way things have been going, though, like, I'm, you know, we, we, you know, we don't know numbers and stuff like that, but it's no secret, like, fundraising is getting a boost because of the Big 12 announcement. Fundraising sure. is... Getting- Fundraising is, fundraising is getting a boost because of the success of the football team. Um, I don't know how they do the finances for stuff like this. I don't really care. No, I, but, like we don't work in that department. But I, I mean, I feel confident that it'll get done fairly soon. I agree. I agree. If Cunningham's to the point, he's saying publicly, like they're, we're in the architecture phase. I don't think I'm overstepping my bounds by saying I think December, January should be a target date to hear like, this is the plan. I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, anything else football related? It's been an awesome podcast so far. Uh, if, I, if, I, if I must say so myself, we have crushed it so can, far today. You can absolutely say that. <laughs> I'm in a, like, look, I'm in a great mood. We'll get to that at the end. Uh, Granted, way down the line, but this was a uh, this was an interesting week or so at the bye week to see some twenty twenty three offers going oh, they out, went, going out they, to some dudes. <laughs> they went four like they went down the four star list and said, "All right, if we we think we might have a shot, you got." They an said offer. like, "Hey, JQ Hardaway, all these yeah. dudes, all these dudes on your team, like let's yeah. go you know, going into Texas." Talked to my buddy in Nashville, offered a four-star from Ensworth, said they're always really good, always putting out Power 5 guys. Like They're, they're not defi- messing around right They now. are definitely – and, you know, you know, I think their, their philosophy low – risk, Low risk, high reward right now. You offer them this week, right? Right. What do they do Saturday? Yeah, they watch. What do they do? They watch. You beat Notre Dame. At Notre Dame, and all these four stars you just offered were like, shit, well, I might and, have to pay a little attention to the Bearcats. And we know that the philosophy is not going to change. So this isn't just like throwing out offers to, for the sake of throwing out offers right. like some schools right. do. Like, just because they're going to the Big 12 doesn't mean they're going to start deviating from the type of kid and the type of player that they have recruited in the past. But – it's blatantly clear. Like you can, there were really good kids that they would have wanted before that they couldn't get that. Now they feel right. like they can get. So, right. you know what Notre Dame gets a lot of really good kids that are four stars. Yeah. And that's not saying they're going to, you know, be Notre Dame and be and number one. Get, in the, they're probably not. If they get one of these kids. Right. But it's right, the brilliant. Right it's, right a, now, it's a high reward, low risk. If you go to Notre Dame and lose and you don't impress any of these four-star kids, then maybe you don't get them. But that doesn't change anything. No. Probably weren't going to get them in the first place. But if you offer them this week, they tune in on Saturday, and you beat Notre Dame, and their eyebrows raise, okay, hey, we got, we got UCF coming up in two weeks. Why don't you come up, check out the Bearcats? Yep. But no. Low long, risk. Long, long, long way. High reward. From 2023. 
I just thought it was yeah. interesting that, like, oh, we're just going to just start doing that now. <laughs> I mean, might as well, right? Yeah, for sure. Might as well. For sure. Uh, basketball recruiting, uh, we talked about it last Thursday. Daniel Skillings in the fold. Uh, big announcement incoming this Friday. Josh Reed is picking Northwestern, BC, South Carolina. Butler on his list with Cincinnati. He did not official to Butler. Um, I think this comes down to one of two things. Is basketball the primary focus in the decision? Or are academics the primary focus in the decision? Uh, I think I have a pretty good vibe that, that Cincinnati is in a good spot here. I think the Bearcats get good news on Friday. This is a rare kid, Dave. Best story, one of the best stories I've heard in a while. This kid, when he came on his visit, and we'll skip the golf story. I want, I will get to the golf story in a minute. Because I know if a, if, a, if a kid, if Dave Simone hears a kid comes on his visit and wants to go play 18 with the head coach, like Dave Simone is signing like a, him. They went to like a real course? Oh, oh, yeah, we'll get to that. The other thing is he wants to, one of his potential majors is geology. No. <laughs> so they took him to the geology department and had, he wanted to meet the head of the geology department. And apparently they want, like the staff walks in with this kid and the entire geology department just stops and is like, there's an athlete in the geology <laughs> department. And like all came to meet this kid because they just were shocked beyond belief that an kid athlete likes, kid likes rocks. Right. That an athlete is like, I need to go meet the head of the geology department to make an informed decision. I think I, met the head of the, I think I met the head of the geology department when I was in Tennessee, but not because I wanted to be a geology major. <laughs> But yeah, he played 18 with Wes, apparently. Where did they play? I, I don't know that, but they played They played around. I'm working on that answer, but I'll ask. I'll find out. We're, I'm going to be on camp tomorrow. Tomorrow, media availability with Wes and players before the first practice of the season. So Dude, if Wes is looking for a game, I mean, I'm. You know, I don't think you want that smoke. My understanding is Wes is really good at golf. Well, I hope he's terrible because that means he's playing a lot. Well, you can still be really good at golf and not play. Like, you can be naturally talented. Not really good. You can be, like, if you're a good three-point shooter and you don't shoot for a while, you're still going to be able to make more threes than, like, than you. Yeah, well... West 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 ain't seen my my long ball game. Maybe one maybe one summer we'll set up Dave and Wes the uh, the golf challenge. That's right. See how that for charity. We'll see how that goes. If I if I beat him, I get to coach the first half of a game. <laughs> you the first ten minutes of a practice. <laughs> Why would I want but, to go to practice? <laughs> we 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 got that coming tomorrow. Uh, it's not quite a media day deal, but it will be. Uh, our first chance leading into the season to talk to Wes and uh, and some of the crew, like so, like, Phil, like Phil Nicholson, I hit bombs. What's your long? What's your average drive? Oh, my average drive. I don't. Roughly, uh, come on. You can't talk uh, shit and then not know your average drive, Dave. 
my average drive when I when it actually hits the goes into the fairway, I would say like 285, 290. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. It's not bad. Yeah. When it right. goes in the fairway. How much how often does it go in the fairway? Not not enough. <laughs> not, uh, you know, I, I send I send plenty over over 300. <laughs> I'm no, I'm no Bryson. I'm not hitting 400 yard bombs at the World Long Drive Championship two days after you play in the Ryder Cup. Right. I feel you. <laughs> but uh, I feel you. But no. I like to I like to send them. All right. I would lo- I would I would almost pay to see Wes whip your ass in a round of golf. Well, but to my back to my question, how much does that change the level that you want a kid? Well, I mean, if if he yeah, is, if one of his desires is to go play 18 on his official well, business, then I, that's, I like, can, that's like a I can, four or five hour commitment. I know. Well, then I can be like the uh, the, the illegal booster too. We go we go play golf, I, you know, a little handshake, a little lunch, you know. So be it'd be perfect. Now I gotta find um, out. We have to find out from from uh, Wes if if Josh does commit to UC if they have they have golf as a class at UC. Introducing introducing to Coach Martin like they had. This is how bad of this is how bad I was at UT. Like I took, a, I could have probably minored in physical education, but for some reason they had golf and I didn't take it. <laughs> what a dumbass! I, mean, I know. Why, why would you not do that? I took weightlifting. I took. You were running. there for like six years. You didn't take golf. No, I took bowling, weightlifting, running, walking. Uh, <laughs> yeah, didn't take golf. I think because I heard that you didn't actually get to go play, you just drove off campus to a driving range. And I was like, oh, I'm not interested in doing that. Why, why would you not be interested for I, class to go hit balls? Dad, I, you know how long I was there. You know I, know. I, made, I made poor decisions. Like, <laughs> you answered your own question. I would just think you were smart enough to make that one decision that was to take the fucking golf class. The, the, the one thing I know I would get an, automatically get an right. A. Right. Yeah, no. <laughs> I think you might have. Did you fail walking? What grade did you get in walking? No, I, I did fail racquetball. <laughs> no, that was only because I didn't go. I, I'm not a. I was not a bad racquetball player. Although I don't know that I even <laughs> hit a ball one time to know if I was a good racquetball player or not. But yes, did, did not attend that one. Oh, uh, do, do you do you want in? Do you want in on the? Uh the question from the bbp the question from the bbp this week. no we're gonna skip no that. we're gonna skip it all right <laughs> not not your area of expertise huh not tonight <laughs> <laughs> what it's just picking songs yeah i know all right no I'm all right set. uh what's the over under for the uh simone alcohol consumption oh. prior to kickoff in south bend that's what time me. will you wake up and begin? See, that's the thing. I don't know. The, the tailgate situation is like, do we have to walk there? How far is it? What time does it start? I guess that doesn't interfere with when I personally start. But, uh, I mean, 2.30 game, haven't really done one of those before. New territory. I'm an early riser. So, uh, you know, 
I mean, with, it's not that different from a 330 kit. Right. But with it being able to walk, I think we're walking to the tailgate. So, like, I don't have to worry about driving from my house to, to the UC game or anything. How many beers do you think? You, uh, just one beer on the way to the tailgate? Like, because you're going to drink while you're walking, right? Well, yeah. Are you allowed to open carry? Probably not, but you're going I to anyway. I don't think that. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I was walking down the street in the <laughs> IU with it. I didn't know if it was right? legal there or not. But. <laughs> Um, I mean, it's, this one could be a big number, but again, the rate, like, let's, let's set it at nine, five. No, I don't think we're going to have jello shots. Aunt, I mean, aunt isn't you've coming. got a house. How the fuck do you not have jello shots? She's not, my aunt isn't coming to the game. There's only one person in your entire yes. crew capable of mixing <laughs> jello and vodka. Apparently. Uh, I would go. She needs to teach someone. She's got to leave a legacy. That's right. She's got to teach your wife how to make jello shots. Better chance of teaching me. (laughs) You just are mixing the powder and water with vodka and putting it in a freezer. That's it, or a fridge. I have way too much other things to worry about. I can't. I can't be bogged down by by making Jello. Uh, over. We're going over hard. Over. Okay. Over hard. Over nine point five. Yeah. They don't sell alcohol there. What? No alcohol at it's the, the game. only Catholic institution that doesn't sell alcohol. No alcohol at the game. Oh, and apparently they're pretty strict. This is awful. Yeah. I just ruined your. I just ruined I your night, didn't I? I, I? I literally didn't even contemplate that you couldn't buy a beer at a Catholic school no. event. And they like apparently, the- apparently, they check. Like they check. So you like you would have to do. I've heard. I've heard. Your best bet is like liquor bottles to your waist. Yeah, I, and I then used to duct, I used to duct tape a, a platypus. Uh, which is like a soft flask at UT to my thigh. And then and, and put it in your Coke. Bringing that into the game. Um, yeah. I did see a, an excellent one at the Titans game this past week. I don't know if you saw it on, on the Twitter. This guy had his girlfriend or wife take her tampons out of the little. Oh, yeah, I've seen that before. And he had these little cylinder plastic. Like shot, like, like vials. test tubes. Yeah. Yeah. And he put them in there, and she brought and them into the them game. Back up. And then yep, he was I've heard dri- of that before. Yeah, he pulled them out of the like tampon wrapper. <laughs> There's no guy on the planet that is going to check your wife's tampon wrappers at the door. No, no there are none. None, not a single but one. Man, that like all I no alcohol. Like, like growing up is like you know, Alter High School would have like Alter Fest, and they would you know they had beer trucks and stuff. I'm like, I never even considered that there wouldn't be beer at an Notre Dame game. Yeah, there's not. Apparently, there's never has been. They they'll sell beer if there's like an event there, like a concert right, or like, like something Brooks or whatever. When he was there. Yeah, but they're not. They do not sell beer for Notre Dame games. Uh, so at least you know now. At least you found out on Wednesday. Yeah. Because you're gonna have to get creative if you're yeah. gonna make this happen. Like you, you might have to go out like tomorrow and start finding some test tubes with the screw on tops. 
don't have time. I don't have time for this. I'm going to the game tomorrow night. Like, <laughs> Man, uh, I, I want. I wonder if there's a a place you can get test tubes in, in South Bend on campus. Excuse me. Do you have any empty like? You have test like tubes? the screw in test tube bottles, like the, yeah. the screw top ones, so it doesn't spill. Uh, <laughs> Working on a project for class. Gross. Gross, man. <laughs> Expected more, more out of the, the fighting Irish. <laughs> That's, I mean, it's insane, right? Like, the only thing Catholics do at, at large gatherings is drink. And then at the place where the Catholics gather the largest, there's no beer. No. You would, like, how else they're not, I can get, like, there's no alcohol, there's no booze, there's no, like, hard liquor. How is there not beer at Notre Dame games? I don't, I don't know. Wait, hold on. Hold on, what? This is all coming from people like that. No, I know. From Notre I'm, Dame people. I'm I'm seeing it. Yeah, I just I just did the Google. If I can, if I can make my way up to, can, can I get? Can we get John Cunningham to let me into the AD suite? Because apparently there is alcohol in the VIP areas. Yeah, in the VIP areas. Yeah, can we get John Cunningham to let me up there? To drink, probably not. I, I don't see why not. Maybe maybe Amy will get you up there. Yeah. That's our that's a that's probably a better bet than Cunningham. Or there's a lot of people here that have some swing. Like the, the, I, how there has to be a BCJ member. I, I need to, I just need to mingle with the right people at this tailgate. And, yeah, and a they, parents tailgate you're not getting the parents don't have vip access no they just they, it, they just operate the tailgate i'm sure there will be other people there at the tailgate that might know of someone that could help a poor soul out like i think I you're better I, off with the empty tampon things if i can't drink from like 2 30 till the, i get back to the house dave after dark will not be as dark well, we don't. I'm gonna have like stuff to do right away, so what you're gonna I, have. I'm just gonna be like back, back at the house, shotgunning beers and drinking yes. liquor straight from the bottle. Like, that could be part of the <laughs> the the beginning of Dave After Dark is you fu- pop. Go 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 go. Yeah, yeah. The first the first thirty minutes, Dave shotguns a beer every ten minutes. The first ten minutes, Dave shotguns three beers. <laughs> Just to just to get the juices flowing again. Yeah, just to get get lubed back up. <laughs> <laughs> this is a this has been a revelation at the end of the podcast. Oh. Dave is, is bothered right now. I'm flustered. <laughs> Can you get drunk enough before the game to stay drunk all oh. game? Uh, no, I can. I no. can guarantee. I can guarantee you that. I can guarantee you by the fourth quarter, which is going to be very stressful, according to us, you're going to be sober. And yeah, sober, wet, probably have a headache from not being able to continue to drink. (laughs) So, so if if somebody here has access to like a, a, a private box, are you fine with leaving your wife in the rain? She's not going. Oh, so this is just like Dave just solo. Yeah. 
if so if you can if you can take care of dave it's just dave that you have to take care of babe, you don't babe. have anybody else in your party that, that you needs to babysit. come along <laughs> yeah no i'm fine okay all right i'm just i'm putting it out into the world the situation yeah because dave is not happy that that notre dame does not allow alcohol sales no not one bit all right <laughs> I wasn't able to drink any at the Indiana game either because for a totally different reason. Because you couldn't get to the concession stand. And when you did, they didn't have I didn't feel like missing 30 minutes of game action to get a warm warm Coors Light. So That's how how they drink. Like, Mets, I bet Mets drinks all his beers warm, right? No, theirs were just warm because they kept running out. They probably couldn't get them in the ice fast enough. (laughs) You only have to have a beer and ice for, like, 10 minutes for the beer to be cold or at least kind of cold yeah well indiana didn't seem to be able to figure that one out. <laughs> oh i absolutely love it i absolutely love it all right i guess finally i i i, I i'll probably choke up a little bit on this one but i gotta say thanks to everybody man like wow we are where where, where are you at? Fifty-one thousand two hundred and nine dollars. Oh, buddy. Uh, we did. There was also a couple of people that sent uh, on Venmo. I think that was like three hundred and fifty, three hundred and sixty dollars. Uh, and then there was somebody else that um, I've known for a, while, a long time, a member that sent a check for twenty-five hundred. So two, three, four. Carry the one carry the one like uh, over fifty four thousand dollars and you can buy some sweet podcasting gear with fifty four thousand dollars I, I, I don't <laughs> think that that was what the money was for dave <laughs> we could we could buy some sweet podcasting gear uh i don't Bearcat, think that Bearcat was Bearcat journal podcast studio in new indoor practice facility <laughs> that's what like that's that what we should do just take this money and put it towards the IPF literally light it on fire yeah light it on fire um (laughs) man unbelievable today today was probably the most amazing part uh Broering last night posted he has a uh uh benefactor if you will uh that is willing to match up to ten thousand dollars of Xavier donations I think we're getting pretty close to twenty five hundred dollars in donations from Xavier uh, and then Tom Loy that runs the Notre Dame site who has become a friend over the years. And obviously we have worked together a lot because there's been a lot of crossover between Cincinnati and Notre Dame. Um, he put it on, on Irish illustrated and, uh, they have been incredible as well, uh, with their donations and a lot of the heavy hitters from, from UC if I've seen pop up. And uh, it's been amazing. It's been amazing. Kelly, you want to say thank you? Thank you. Could you hear that? I could. Okay. She, she's, she's not very loud right now, which is not normal for Kelly, but she's just got a port in her chest right by her neck and throat. So uh, wires hanging out of it. She looks like a, uh, like a, like a 1998 VCR with the <laughs> red, yellow, and white cables. 
Which you one? just hook the audio. <laughs> the audio. Did you unplug yeah. one? Did she stop talking? <laughs> you can hook up the video and then the left and right audio right into her yeah. chest. Um, but man, it's it's been overwhelming. I, like I'm not gonna lie. Like we've been through hell and back over the past four six weeks. But to see everybody, you know, step up and have our back in in this fashion, like we knew everybody would would have our back and people bugged me for three weeks about starting this thing. And we were just trying to, to figure it out on our own and finally got to a point where we had to stop being stubborn and say, look, if people want to help, like let's open the door and let them help. And it's been insane. So insane. So thank you all so freaking much for, uh, for stepping up and, and, I think the main thing in all of this, like, I, I don't know what the answers, if you, if you've read the GoFundMe, I don't want to go over it all again, but if you read the GoFundMe, you know, like there's been a lot of different things happening. And, and I don't know that this specifically answers any one of them, but I know in a lot of ways, it like it puts our mind at ease that, that we're going to be able to figure it out. And uh, you guys have been a huge, huge part of providing that like ability to take a breath because we didn't get to take a breath for a long fucking time dave you know like we've talked throughout this and <laughs> you're like how you doing i'm like i'm pretty fucking terrible today man yeah, like hey, I, I, I that's why we're all you know all happy to help i mean i know everybody you know everybody needs some help every now and again and it doesn't diminish anything about you guys at all it's just about looking out for people that we all love so you know that is much appreciated my friend and and you've always been great about things and you and your wife have been awesome and and everybody has been incredible so right now i'm just kind of filibustering i think we're over two hours now so well and and then the, <laughs> the savages finally got there their mark this was it was a special occasion you know you know what that means what i'm like barely going over an hour from here on (laughs) i thought that meant that every show can be two hours now you finally did one yeah we're really gonna go two hours on temple next week (laughs) no we're not absolutely (laughs) well it depends on what happens saturday We might spend an hour and 30 minutes on Notre Dame, depending well, on what if, happens. Saturday. If they win and we do a Dave after dark. Yeah, there won't next, be a whole next lot week's left. podcast will be one of the 15 minutes, <laughs> 15 minutes. <laughs> All right, well, again, everybody, we will. Uh, if you're going to the game, be loud, wear red, red helmets, white jerseys, black pants. Everybody wear red. Should I? Red I mean, I'm, I'm in a tough spot with that. Why? I wear the exact same thing every game. Well, then there's nothing you can do. And it is black. There's nothing you can do then. So, Dave is not going to be in dress code. No. If you if you have something you wear that is successful to every game, you have to wear. I did I'm get not gonna, a, for my birthday. I did get a nice new. Uh, I wouldn't say it's waterproof, but like windbreaker type pullover red 
quarter zip jacket with the so you can wear that i am gonna wear that with the old with the old school that's now come kind of back new school block uc logo okay so i, I will be wearing that so hopefully that keeps me semi dry but yes i will wear that then so okay then that's right red. then you're in red and if we start losing i'm gonna take it off and throw it on the ground that's fine it's fine you are also the guy that at the pit game went to your room and didn't talk to your family for the rest of the game for the second half just drank beer and they won they did and they won so do what you got to do dave you also showed up at a, at a watch party at Taft's and they lost the temple and you're never allowed to come to a watch party again. i haven't been to one since have i no you're not allowed <laughs> <laughs> i've not invited you to a watch party since. speaking of watch parties saturday 1.30, Holy Grail. Tony and I will get on the mic around 1.45, 2 o'clock. A lot to talk about. A lot of, uh, you know, we'll talk to Tony about you know, Brian Kelly stories and, and a lot of different stuff. Hopefully good news to talk about on the Josh Reed front uh, and what it means for Wes Miller to, to be trending towards a top 20, top 25 basketball class in uh, his first full class as a Bearcat. And uh, Bearcats in Notre Dame, man. Biggest, we forgot to talk about it. It's too late now. It's the time has passed. The moment has passed. Yes, it is. We will talk about it uh, if they win. (laughs) In the the past tense, was it? Yeah. Yeah. All right. He's Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. That's Kelly in the background. She said thank you. Uh, Hopefully you guys got to hear her. And uh, if not, we'll thank you again next week. He's Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. It's the BCJ Podcast. Brought to you by the Holy Grail. Right here on Bear.